Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Austin Ely, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, Ulster scrum half Ruan Pinar, the free-scoring Bristol winger Tom Vondell, and referee Wayne Barnes joined us in the studio to analyse the new tackle laws adopted at the weekend and look ahead to the imminent return of European rugby. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Ben Kay, Craig Doyle, Sarah Elgin and our studio guests. Okay, so we have a busy show for you tonight, obviously, so let's get our first guest straight out here. 32-year-old Springbok who came over to the Emerald Isles some six years ago wanting a change and to experience rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. Decided on Ulster and boy have they benefited from his decision with 88 Springbok caps to his name and a World Cup winner's medal. It'll be an end of an era when he leaves the Irish province this year. We're very excited to have him on. It's Ruin Pina. How are you? I'm good, thank Welcome you. to Rugby Tonight. Thank you very much. Nice first to be here. First time on? Yes, first time on. It's quite an impressive setup, so it's yeah, exciting to be here. Yeah, it's a good old studio, isn't it? Um, you're sidelined, of course, at the moment with knee injury. Uh, how long are you out for? Yeah, it's nothing serious. I've been struggling with it since uh, the Bordeaux way game in October. and. Uh, just in the warm-up last week against Leinster, felt it a little bit again. So I've just got to tear my meniscus and got it cleaned up there on Thursday evening. So I'm um, only out for a couple of weeks and should be back um, for that first game in the, the start of February. Important couple of weeks, though, for Ulster to be out. Is that frustrating not to be in those big European games? Yeah, no, for sure. I think this is, you know, the games you want to be involved in. Obviously, a massive couple of weeks for Ulster rugby in Europe and must-win must games really for us. So... Um, disappointing not to be involved, but um, yeah, I'll be cheering on the, the, the boys and hopefully they'll get a couple of good results for us. Uh, I met so many Ulster fans over the course of the week. I told them we were coming over and they said, just thank them. Just say thank you, Rian, for everything. Ruan and Rian. Uh, <laughs> she well. She's great. She's okay. great. Just for everything you've done for Ulster Rugby, because you've been a key part of, of just how great it's been there over the past few years. And, and, and that brings us to the sad part of this whole story uh, due to the succession and player development plan over in Ireland. Um, they like to have as many young Irish players coming through. And we always knew there were going to be some victims and some foreign players were going to have to move on because of that. And unfortunately for Ulster, and in fact for Irish Rugby, because it's great having you there, you're going to have to move on at the end of the season. And I'm sure you're disappointed because you love it there. You'd love to stay, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It's obviously it wasn't in my planning to make a big move at this stage of my career, obviously getting to the end of it. And, um, you know, I love my time with Ulster, but obviously you've got to respect, uh, you know, the decision that I've made. And I've got a, about six months left with Ulster. And, well, you know, for me now, it's just about enjoying it as much as I can and trying to play as well as I can in the couple of games I've got left for them. But um, I think it's been a... Unbelievable journey. I never thought I'll stay with Ulster for this long. And um, yeah, the fans, the people, 
Um, the rugby part of it has just been incredible, and to see the way the club has grown over the last six, seven seasons has been, uh, you know, phenomenal. It's a shame for Irish rugby as well, because to have Ruan there and Rian, um, <laughs> just to mentor young Irish players, not even playing at the province, would be enormous. It really is a disappointing thing. Yeah, I, th I think you know having people like that changes European rugby, and, and you know the, the style that other people come. It's not just people at Ulster, it's, it's copying things that Ruan does on the field as well. Um, back at the clubs, I know that sort of most teams would, when they did sit down and do their defensive analysis, probably the first name that they would be talking about was not only his skill levels, but also the game control. And I think that's an area that, you know, perhaps the younger players coming through don't have quite so much the, that game control. And that's probably where they could learn the most. Where will you, what will you miss most about Ulster, given that I was reading yesterday, they didn't even know where Ulster was when you, when you first moved over? Um, yeah, it was an inter interesting move. I wasn't sure where um, Belfast was on the map. I didn't know much about Ulster as a rugby team and if they were a good team or not, and just, you know, made the decision. And thankfully, there was a couple of South African guys that I played with at the Sharks, and they made that transition a bit easier. But to be honest, the first time I drove into the then called Raven Hill, you know, I thought, why did I get myself into it? It was a really <laughs> old stadium, not the best facilities in the world. And um, like I said previously, just to see the way it's gone now, the new stadium, the facilities, you know, a second to none. And, um, you know, I've, I'm just thankful that I could have been a part of that whole process the last couple of years. No disrespect to South African rugby, but it's probably nice to be quite far away geographically from that at the moment because uh, it's not going great over there. Can you put your finger on what's going wrong and how they might fix it? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a really tough year, I think. I always thought it's going to be tough. After the World Cup in 2015, you lost a lot of experience, um, a lot of the management and it's all new setup. And, uh, you know, Alistair could see probably only had two weeks to prepare themselves going into that Irish um, test series. So it was always going to be a tough ask, but I don't think anyone expected it to go quite as badly as it has. But, I mean, South Africa is a terrific country, a proud rugby nation, and there's a lot of talent. So it's going to take time, hopefully, this coming season they'll they'll make a big stepper but um i mean the, the first year i think was always going to be a tough one but you're not going back there uh, <laughs> lo lo lots of chat maybe maybe france um, you know yeah no i won't be heading uh, back to south africa I'll, I'll move to a different club in europe and i've i've really enjoyed my time here i think you know as a rugby player from the south you want to embrace coming over here and the culture and all those things. So um, we'll definitely stay up north uh, for the time being. <laughs> OK, let's move from the, the negativity of surrounding South African rugby then to the positivity surrounding the Pro 12. Because, I mean, we were all sitting here, weren't we, this time last year, um, looking at the Champions Cup and thinking, oh, my goodness, what's happened to the Pro 12 teams? And this year's kind of done a bit of a flip. Why do you think that, um, I guess, Pro 12 rugby at the moment seems to be thriving? Yeah, I think the competition between all 12 teams has really... Uh, you know, gone from strength to strength. I think since I've arrived here and you can see the growth of all the teams and I think strengthening the squads and have more depth in the squad has definitely made a difference. And I mean, it's great to see teams like Munster doing really well again after a couple of years struggling. Leinster has always been a powerhouse and, you know, obviously we, you know, we try our best, you know, up north as well. But um, I think it's a really competitive league at the minute. We can see, you know, the Pro 12 teams are really doing well at the minute in Europe. And, um, yeah, it's exciting to be a part of it. Just on Munster for a moment, and obviously the awfully tragic passing of Anthony Foley has certainly bonded the team and the fans together, but their improvement in the league, I think there's more to it than that. Yeah. And I know, I know that's, a, that's the strong headline to go with, but the fact that they've joined up their training centres, a lot of young players coming through, and the likes of Tyler Blayendall finally fit for a season, and guys just informed. There are many elements to their current yeah. success, is there not? 
No, definitely. I think, you know, ourselves went through a period with uh, the passing away of Nevin Spence a couple of years ago, and that definitely brings together a club and the whole community. But I think a couple of years ago, they probably tried to play a bit more of an expansive game. They've gone away. What really worked for Munster is that really four-dominating game, um, you know, and I think they've gone back back to that where, you know, I've got some guys like CJ Stunder, Omani, all those guys really stepping up. And then you've got exciting backs like Zebra, Connor Murray's in great form. Like you said, Tyler Taylor Blayendal is playing really well. So, well, so um, I think they've gone gone back to what makes Ulster rugby a powerhouse, and um, it's it's really working for them at the moment. I like the way he says powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to see, isn't it, the, the Irish Irish provinces thriving again in Europe? Because it was a disappointing year for them lads last season. Well, yeah, so I think I think you've answered the questions really. The, they were just missing vital parts of the jigsaw. You know, you talk about Munster, fly half was a big position for them, that's been filled. A really good carry in the back row or two, coming back from fitness. And, uh, and the same, uh, the big question is, is how do Wales, are the Welsh sides rebound? Because they've had a, a three or four years now where they haven't really competed. And it's, you know, it's great. So we need another guest, and he's a good one too. He formerly a Leicester Tiger, then he was a Wasps, and now he's doing his things with Bristol. He's won the Premiership a few times, of course, with the Tigers back in the day. Now he's fighting for Bristol to keep them in the Premiership, and he's been a key man in their campaign this season. Yeah, blokes want a body like his. The ladies, they just want his body. It is Tom Varndell. Uh, good to have you here. Um, Thanks for having very me. Very different scenario uh, for you at the moment than last time we met when you were doing a game for us, a live game for us a few months back. Yeah. Is it going okay? Yeah, it's going all right. It's been a better uh, sort of eight weeks, I think. It's been it's been good. We're in a better place as a team, and starting to enjoy rugby, playing with some smiles on our faces, and we're getting closer to the team above us now. So it's, it's going well. And you are now the joint Premiership leading try scorer of all time. Yeah. Joint with. Uh, Mark Cueto, yeah. Mark Cueto. Well, I went to see Mark at the start of the season, and he kind of left this nice little message for you. The challenge that I'd like to lay down to you this season, if you don't break my record is to appear on Rugby Tonight in a mankini. I've actually gone so far to ask Dwayne Peel not to pick you, but I think uh, you're playing that well, he's, he's picking you every week. But that's the challenge, let's see how you get on. What's he have got that, is this new by the way? Isn't no, no, it's, it's new, but I had to try it on to check it had fit, Tom. Really? <laughs> yeah, maybe use once, twice, Okay, Max. so we've got the mankini, so... Yeah. If you, oh my gosh, there is no, what is, there's nothing of that. You're going to enjoy it. As if you, you haven't seen you. one before. Sorry, you're holding the... <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's a clean one. So I'm just going to give you this, right? Yeah. And then when you do, if, if, when you do surpass him, then you're going to come back on and wear it. And if I do beat him. It's the other way around. No, the other way around. If he doesn't pass him, he, he comes back on and wears it. Yeah. He doesn't score another try. Otherwise, where's, oh, where's well, the incentive? Yeah, yeah. Who's going to wear that then? Well, then, oh, we then, then, then Quaite should come on and wear it then. Okay, yeah? get it. Yeah. Really, what you're missing, the main point is this is wrong. <laughs> This is just wrong. Um, I do have something that you'll there. be very happy to display around the place. Uh, a fanfare, please, because uh, Tom Varndell, not only are Bristol having a really good resurgence this season, but it's been pretty good for you recently. You've had a hat-trick against Poe, yeah. a hat-trick against Worcester. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Varndell is the Aviva Premiership Player of the Month.
I'm not going to. I'm not going to mention the fact that he brought it in with him. You can almost you can almost double them up, couldn't you, when you come back on? Because I know a couple of you know, what, five or six weeks ago you you were benched and you had to kind of work your way back into the into just, the team. Just, just mention that one, thank you. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that kind of probably makes it even more special because you went through a through a tough time. Yeah, years. definitely. I mean, all players go through ups and downs, and obviously the uh, challenge was laid down to me by the by the coach, and I had to rise to it. Obviously, I don't want to be left out, and uh, yeah, it's you know that's great. It's great for me. It's great for the team. A team of uh, really. Really stepped up the last few weeks, and uh, and hopefully we can be in the Premiership next year. Why then? What you know? I know you've got a new head coach now, and, and yeah. things have changed. But but can you put your finger on why the upturn in form? I think we got to a point where we knew we had to, we had to go out and play. We were, we were kicking a lot of ball away, giving opposition a chance to run back at us, score a lot of points against us, and and we knew that we, we didn't want to go out the, out the Premiership, not you know, not trying, not go, not sort of trying to go out and, and play our game. And uh, it took a while for us to. Adjust to the uh, <laughs> adjust to the uh, the Premiership. You know, obviously, obviously, we had a, we had a ten game losing streak, and um, you know we got to, we knew the Worcester game was massive for us. The European period gave us a chance to sort of sort of springboard, try some stuff out. Obviously, Jason Woodward's come on board as well, and he's been a, you know he's been amazing for us. He's really got our, our sort of backs attacking, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's been good. There's a bit more smiles around the club, and, uh, and we're starting to enjoy ourselves now. The Jason Woodward thing's interesting, isn't it? Because we saw what Worcester when they're in trouble and they brought in Francois Houhard, and mm. sometimes just a key guy. Yeah. All the elements are almost there, and you just need a kind of a keystone. Is that is that what he is for you yeah, guys? Yeah, and he came off the back of a, of a Super 15 tournament, um, a lot of confidence, and he came in not knowing really the style of play we've been playing. He just played his own game, and it sort of ignited us as a bat line. Um, it's great for me because he literally run, runs it from everywhere. Um, Ryan 22, and the try we scored against Northampton was, was down to him just get back in himself. And I think when you've got players like that in and around the team, it's, um, it does, it gives everyone a lift, it's exciting. And um, yeah, he sort of led the way for us to play some different band of rugby. How long before he's back? Do you know? Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully next couple of weeks. Obviously, he took a bit of not playing on Friday, is he? No, no, no. But he's it's unfortunate. Does it? I mean, it'd be a huge achievement actually to be the leading try scorer. How much are you aiming towards that? Has it been a goal for you in the oh, start? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, definitely even yeah. played in the days I was playing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... It's definitely something that's been on my mind. Obviously, if, it, if I had a choice between being top try scorer or Bristol being the Premiership, I'd choose top scorer. I mean, I'd, <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously I'd choose the Premiership. But you know, if the boys could put me in position to score tries, and that'd be fantastic. And uh, and hopefully that will help us stay up in stay up in the league anyway. This is how the table looks after round 13. Wasps still in the top spot, Saracens in second. The general rule of thumb is it takes an average 61 points to make it to the playoff stages. So Wasps and Saris very, very close to that indeed. You feel they're going to cruise their way through to that. Of course, they want a home semi-final. The Chiefs right in the mix there. After that, it's just really, really tight. Here's a really interesting example of just how tight it is. Newcastle get a huge win against Bath on Friday night. They move into six. They go lovely. We're in the top six going into this European break. A few other results that have nothing to do with them and they're back in ninth and you're going to see a lot of that this season that's why it's possibly going to want to be one of the best Aviva Premiership seasons we've had in years and that includes the battle of the bottom the Sail Sharks being dragged into it slowly with just a point between Worcester Warriors and Tom Vardell's Bristol Rugby we'll talk about that a little bit later on but it really is a good Aviva Premiership season I hope you watch a bit of Premiership Ruan do you? Yeah no I do it's uh, quite interesting and obviously uh, you know loads of teams that's playing really well and we'll see quite a bit of them this weekend in the European 
in the European Games. Fascinating weekend, of course, because the new directive's coming in and we're all watching where is the first big talking point going to be. It was actually Ulster's game. Now, you weren't playing against Scarlets, and Sean Reedy was given a yellow card for an illegal high tackle as judged by the referee and also a penalty try. And from the off, a big talking point. What was your read on that? Yeah, I think as a nine, and I think Austin will agree with me, as a nine, you always try and help out the refs a little bit on the field, and for some reasons they don't listen to us. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, a difficult uh, situation to be in. Sean really um, trying to stop the guys. Got a fairly low body position, and I think you're always going to have a bit of contact around the neck area. Unfortunately, got the, the yellow card and uh, a penalty try. That probably cost us a game, so it's nice to have Wayne here. Just to talk us through a couple of those points and you know what to look out for. Well, joining us to go through some of the key incidents from the weekend, one of the world's finest referees, please welcome Wayne Barnes. I sort of felt a bit, first time in my life I felt sorry for the referees, but World Rugby released this uh, press release saying there were going to be some changes to law, and then that's all we heard from them really, the, the strict description of how the law was going to change, and then it was left to you referees to implement. Now, you must have felt under an enormous amount of pressure going into this weekend, A, to get it right, and also that you didn't want too many incidents that the back pages were talking about rather than the rugby. Yeah, look, first of all, Ben, looking at those hits, that's what rugby is about. That's why we, as referees, as fans, we love going to watch a game. We love seeing incidents like that. And, you know, for us, not really any pressure because um, nothing's changed. You know, we came in at pre-season, we spoke with you and we talked about players protecting players, you know, who they're playing against. So if you're going to kick for a ball, you don't kick him in the head on the way through. And we said we'd red card that. We also said if you're going to play the man in the air and he comes down dangerously, we're going to red card that player as well because you've got to protect that man in the air. And then no November, all the international referees got together and we said, look, we've got to make sure not are we only protecting players in the air, but on the floor, but also in that tackle situation. So in November, we said, right, let's go out and let's make sure we protect that player from those really dangerous high shots. And what we're not trying to get rid of, rid of is those hits. We're not getting rid of, you know, tackles which are just hard. And an accidental high tackle was a high tackle last year. It is this year. It was just an accident. But it's just an accident now. But they were both high tackles. So nothing's changed. It's then. good to see. Maybe just the sanctions have got a bit tougher, but the laws have really stayed the same. We're going to have a look at a couple of the clips from this weekend that maybe were borderline. I don't think this, a penalty was given on this one, but it's Christian Wade running across the field on um, uh, Charlie Thacker, it's that old seatbelt challenge, yeah. wrapping, your wrapping your arm over the top of the shoulder of the man. What are your thoughts there? Look, as you know, Ben, we all get together as a premiership referees on a, on a Monday. We have a look at clips of that. Look, that's clearly a penalty. You know, he's going over the top and he's made contact with the head. But everyone who watched that game, everyone who's seen that now, doesn't think that's a yellow card. We've got to have a bit of common sense as referees. We've got to understand what players are trying to do. He's got that slightly wrong. He's made a bit of contact. There's not a lot of force. Penalty should have been given. It wasn't, but nothing more. And then the next one we're going to look at is a tight head on a fly half. A tight head's always going to want to put a shot on him, but he just gets stepped on the inside, John Welsh, on, on George Ford there. Yeah, look, and he almost just, you know, a little bit of contact on the shoulder, up to the face, you know, almost tickles him across the face. As you said, he's been stepped. There's nothing more than a penalty in that, which Greg gave on the day. No one expects that to be a yellow card. No one's going to be given a yellow card. It's almost that reaction, isn't it? I've used the example that sometimes when you drop something at home and it's a bit heavy, for some reason you stick your foot out to yeah. try and catch it. You think, why on earth did I do that? It's that instant reaction. Yeah. As long as there's no malice in it, you're happy for that to yeah. play on. The instant reaction, not the big swinging arm which, okay. which smacks someone straight right, in We're going to get 
to the most famous example of the weekend, the big one everyone's talking about, Jeff Parling. Brad Barrett goes in first, Barrington next. It's a horrific-looking challenge. Uh, obviously, Parling was knocked out probably by Barrett originally. Jeff Parling is starting to go down towards the ground. Let's hear what the ref said. Direct to the head at force. That leaves him with a little option. This guy is sent from the field of play. It's a red card. Direct contact with the shoulder to the head of the player on the floor. That's a red card. I'm sorry. Now, I felt so sorry for Ian Tempest in this game. He's a young referee. This is an out-of-the-ordinary instant, let, let's be fair. I thought his, his description, whether people agree with what, what he got right, was absolutely spot on. But he must have been thinking, I don't want to send two players off at once, otherwise we're going to have fans that have paid a lot of money. Yeah. Maybe I should deal with it, let, let the authorities deal with one of them. At least I've punished Saracens in some respect. Yeah. Look, I think there's a couple of things, and you've touched upon one of them. I've been refereeing in a premiership since 2003. I haven't seen anything like that before. And we've discussed this before. You've been involved in a game for years and years and years, Ben. You've not seen anything like that. So that's unique. Ian then has a few moments to get all the information and make what is a really good decision at the time. You know, of course, it's then in hindsight, he can make a better decision. You know, I've heard people saying, well, One's a high tackle and the other one's a high tackle, so they're two red cards. But you've got to look holistically. You know, was the, the falling player caused by Barrett? Was Barrington's kind of angle changed because of the falling player? Did he slip into it? There's so much to take into consideration. And Ian took all of that into consideration and made a decision, the best decision he could at the time. And we've discussed it. You know, you thought uh, Barrington was the worst offender. You know, Austin on the day thought that it was Barrett. There are those grey areas. I think the learning for us as referees is that if that happens again on the weekend, and let's hope it doesn't, you know, because we want to make sure players are safe. If that happens on the weekend, we're probably going to see two cards now. I'm not saying two red cards, but we had two incidences where we had illegal challenges. Now, I know there was a hearing last night, and we know what the result of that was, but we then had the opportunity of hearing from the player, hearing from the coach, probably hearing from an expert, and I'm pretty certain there was a very smart QC who was representing oh, Absolutely. The so the hearing found that actually Barrett's was a, was a worse yeah. defence in their mind, because that's a panel that have opinions as well, exactly. and that um, Barrington was only reacting to a, to a fall, falling player. And I guess from Ian Tempest's point of view as well, it's such big news the first weekend. Red cards, two red cards in one incident, and suddenly we're all saying, see, we told you, it's going to ruin our game. So I think he did really well. Now, we're going to have a look at one from a few weeks ago and see, would this have been a penalty? This is Ashton, hit by Brady, going for a tackle. It's an accidental head clash, but World Rugby have used the word accident in their ruling. Yeah, and what we're talking about with accidents are accidental high tackles. There is nothing high about that challenge. That is not foul play. That is play on. Though JP does really well here to stop the game and say, hold on, we've got an injured player. So you might stop the game, but no one's going to penalise that, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's my, my thought as well. And, and you know, we don't want to see that. And, and you say either foul play, not foul play. If it's not foul play, you don't even consult the rest of the sanctions in terms of exactly. how physical it is. Exactly. Right, let's have a look at Randall Morrison. You see... Break by Marlon Yard, covering player. What's your thoughts there? So you, you asked about, you know, foul play, then what are we considering? We've got pace, we've got force, we've got direct contact to the head, which, play, which stops the attack. That is a red card. He was given a red card on a day, and I'd imagine if we see that every single week, whether that was 2017 or 2007, that's a red card. Red card. Totally agree with you. Now, this one was a yellow card in the game between Saints and Leicester. Luther Burrell coming across. 
How does that differ? Yeah, so you can see just from watching it, it's not as high in um, speed, it's not as much force. The player um, hits a shoulder and then goes up onto the, the head. So that's the ones where no one expects that as a red card. Using a bit of common sense, JP rightfully puts him in the bin for 10 minutes and says, get those tackles a bit lower. And remember, this is all this is aimed at. It's just lowering the tackle a little bit. So a nice decision there. And well, that's I'll, what I'll go say, Craig, to have a referee come in, explain those, because some of them are wrong, some of them are right, but it makes it so much better for the viewers of rugby that they know how it's being. You're empowering them to know what's going on. So often we just get, this is the change, the laws live with it. So thank and you, Wayne. It's Cheers. great because players say they, they love ref, uh, being ref by Wayne because you talk to them, you talk to us as well as fans, as Ben said. Thank you very much. A special round of applause for Wayne, please. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, so... Uh, there are a lot of people very, very concerned, and, and I guess the reason you're going to bring in these directives is nobody wants to see the likes of Jeff Parling laid out in the ground uh, because everyone got a bit of a fright. Jeff, on the other hand, knew absolutely nothing about it at the time. We did speak after the game, Jeff, and you were in fine fettle. You're joining us from. Well, this is a game we like to play in rugby tonight. What room is he in? What, any guesses? What are you, downstairs toilet, madam? No? What are you thinking? It's a very posh one if it is. Jeff? Wherever you want it to be. <laughs> okay, I'm going upstairs toilet. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Really good to see you. Uh, how are you, most importantly? Yeah, good. Not bad. Um, obviously, it was a bit of a, a big collision at, at the weekend, but I've, I've started the protocols and are coming through fine, so, so not too bad. Uh, Jeff, in the papers and the, the chatter out on Twitter and social media and all that was, you know, oh, you know, he's getting on a bit. He's had a few knocks. Is this the end of Jeff Parling? Please tell us we're going to see you back out in the pitch, out training again, out playing again. Yeah, like, like I said, um, I've, I've started the protocols, everything feels good. Um, so, so, yeah, hopefully I won't be playing this week, but should hopefully be back pretty soon. And we've got Ruan Pinar in the studio with us tonight. Big game against Ulster, of course, in the weekend. Any messages you want to give to him? Uh, well, we can't, I can't give any secrets away, can I? So <laughs> I just came to him on that. Good stuff. There'll be a big crowd down there for that one, I'd imagine, yeah? Yeah, we're, we're, without a doubt, obviously big, to, a big game for, for both teams. Um, competition probably hasn't gone as well as we would have wanted it to go so far, but, you know, we're hoping, hoping to get stuck in and, and put in a big performance, of course we are. Jeff, we really appreciate you joining us. Great to see you looking healthy again, and we'll see you back out in the pitch very soon indeed. Jeff Parling, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, Cheers, Jeff. mate. Thanks very much. Should we talk some Challenge Cup action? Then? Yes, do that. Shall we? Okay. Um, Tom, big game. Yeah. Uh, Bath, Bristol, at the weekend, or Bristol Bath, however you yeah. want to look at it. Um, last time you guys played against each other, it was kind of like you guys were in a slump, they were kind of on a winning run. It's kind of almost kind of role reversal now, isn't it? Bath, Bath have hit some. Yeah, a little some bit. Spots. Yeah, <laughs> and we're obviously we're pretty confident at the moment, we're enjoying our rugby, um, but it's a massive, you know, massive local derby, so. Yeah, all to play for. Um, I think if we can get the win, then we go top of our group. So it's been a, a massive change around for us. But you know they'll be looking to come to us, put a good performance. They've got some quality for like, the whole team. Um, you know, Rocco Dagoni's on fire at the moment, so that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big game for us. Are you happy with the competition? Because you're in quite a scrap at the moment. A lot of people don't want that distraction there. Are you using it? What kind of? How, yeah. how much of a motivator or a demotivator is it? No, it's massive for us because we've got to keep this sort of winning mentality or this confidence up. Um, there's no point resting loads of boys and and you know maybe potentially falling off that sort of that that, that place we're in. So it's good to get everyone out there, make a few changes. 
bring everyone else up to speed who hasn't played for a while. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a great competition for us and it's a good chance for us to keep pushing in the direction we're going at the moment. Yeah, we can see the pool for table there. Uh, Bath top with 13. Um, you can. Blues. Fair play to you. I can you, Can you really not see that? No. You need glasses. Um, blues uh, on 13 too and then Bristol on 10. So it's, that's, it's really quite open, isn't it, that pool? Who are you expecting to, to take it? Um, I think it'll be interesting this weekend. I, I, I think the motivation, funnily enough, for Bristol might, might be higher because mm. they want to continue the run that they've been on. They, having looked like they might get three wins on the bounce, they just slipped up at the end uh, with that charge down against uh, Northampton last weekend. So I think the winners of that game could well kick on. A uh, quick word on Albie Matheson might be on his way or is on his way to Bristol. What's the news yeah, there? So what's he, he got? Yeah, he came at the um, start this week. Um, oh, he's here already? Yeah, yeah he's already here. Um, obviously, he's not registered for Europe, so he won't be seeing him this week. But um, he's only literally got off the plane, did a quick session with us um, on the Tuesday and uh, hopefully be playing in the LV Cup. Okay, move on then to the Champions we? Cup. Yeah. Um, let's start from the beginning. We'll go from Pool 1 and work our way down, shall we? Let's have a quick look at how Pool 1 stands then right now. Um, Munster top with, um, I can't even see the 60, the 60. <laughs> and then Glasgow on 13, Leicester 8, uh, Racing, last season's finalists, of course, zero points um, at the moment. Um, so, Munster, Glasgow look likely. I mean, it's still not all over for Tigers, but they need two I, bonus I mean, points. Tigers need to they? win with a bonus point this Both weekend, games. and then it puts pressure on, it'll obviously depend on the other game as well, but it will put massive pressure on Glasgow coming to Leicester. And both teams by then could need a bonus point. So we could see in that second round, Leicester against Glasgow at Welford Road, a really open game with both uh, teams chasing points then. Now, Ruan, the Munster-Rassing game, a Rassing-Munster game, only one team was ever going to win that because obviously it was tinged with sadness due to Axel's death. It was a rescheduled game. And my word, they celebrated their mate, their coach's life as well. Simon Zebo getting his 50th try for the province and he's been playing out of his skin. But it was really nice to see this young fella, Niall Scannell, really good hooker, coming through, scoring a try. And he's an exciting player for the future, isn't he? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, like we said earlier, they're building up a really formidable pack there at the minute and going back to the way that, that Munster have always been playing and dominating Europe in the early 2000s. So, um, yeah, I think they'll have a big challenge going to Glasgow this weekend. We all know what happened a couple of weeks ago at Thurman Park. And I think um, Gregor Townsend will, would uh, be looking for a massive performance from, from his Glasgow team this weekend. Barnsley, we never would have thought that Munster would be really getting the shot at the title this year. It's an amazing tournament. Well, you say that. Austin did. did. Did he? You did say, didn't you? You were here. Yeah, so I'm here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I start the season, I thought Munster would be good, because like we said before, and Rowan said it, that they've just put people in the right positions that they were missing last year, and they've always had that passion, and they've had that very sad incident, obviously, that's been galvanised them even more this year. I, I think they're contenders, real contenders. How about you, Brian? What do you reckon? Uh, I was over there, the, the, the original Racing game, and the emotion that was there, you know, and what was fantastic to see was the, uh, the fans, how they reacted with each other, and um, a very touching moment. Um, but it's a, it's a scary place to go, Tormund, and as I think as all says, don't ruin them out. Absolutely. Um, should we look at pool two? Wasp there, 13 <laughs> points. To lose 13 points, Connacht 13 points. This is an absolutely fascinating group. And uh, Ruan, just come to you again on Connacht because they've had a funny all-pro 12 season, perhaps a bit of a hangover from winning the title last year. An awful lot of injuries, but they're loving Europe, aren't they? They're loving the top tier. Yeah, no, they've been playing really well the last couple of weeks, and obviously, like you said, loving Europe. They've gone to Toulouse before, and Got a win there, so obviously loads for them to play for, and I mean that group is still fairly open. So um, yeah, it's going to be a good good weekend for them. And it was a huge game for us on BT Sport this weekend. A huge game for Wasps. Uh, whoever wins 
that one will obviously be in the driving seat. Yeah, it could actually play into Connacht's hands because if Wasps go and get a win there and, uh, sorry, at home get a win and do well, and maybe with a bonus point, Toulouse, you could argue, are, is 18 points going to be enough to go through? So Toulouse have to get at least one point, I think. Otherwise, that group for me is going to finish Wasps Connacht. Okay, so we went to speak to some of the Wasps lads then uh, this week, and this is what they had to say. If we win on the weekend and we win well and we go to Italy and win, we should still go through, you know. If we don't win on the weekend, you know, obviously we put ourselves up against it, really. So it's, it's still in our hands. It's up to us, um, you know, to really go out and make sure that we, we get our best game out there. And, and I think if we play as well as we can, I think we'll win on the weekend. I think this is probably our final. So it all comes down to this week. If we don't turn up the goods and, and don't do what we're, we're trying to achieve, then, you know, come later on, then we won't be in these big games. And, you know, so it's the big one. This is our final. At least they're putting a bit of pressure on themselves. I just think, Tom, I looked at the game of the weekend and Wasps were absolutely outstanding in the first half. They couldn't put a foot wrong. And when Leicester put a bit of a squeeze on them and got a bit more physical, the game turned so much. A little bit of homework there for the opposition this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've all talked about Wasps attacking flair and you know, the players have got Christian Wade on the outside, Danny Cipriani as well. But it is when you, when you try and you can't play with their own game because they're so quick, they're so fast. But when you try and make it a bit more confrontational. You know, that's when uh, they do come to a bit of pressure and, you know, you did see what Leicester did to them and, uh, you know, they nearly lost it at the end. Yeah, you mentioned some of the backs, but one of the forwards that we've been playing pretty well this season is Thomas Young. Ben, what have you made, made of him in the last few months? Oh, he's been superb because he's got everything. We saw, I put him up on that uh, great, the biggest tackles of the weekend, but not only did he make the tackle, he bounced back to his feet, won the ball. So he's got that dog of a traditional back rower that, that we all want to see and will become more important now. We're, we're seeing the tackles lower a little bit, but then we've seen some of his attacking play over the last few weeks. Those, those breaks he's made down the touchline, the pace he's got. You know, as a link player, it's probably unfortunate that he's from a Welsh background because there's been a lot of decent... Why is it unfortunate? Well, because there's been a lot of decent sevens. And, yeah, I, yes, I, right. and you look at Eddie Jones saying, I haven't got a natural seven. Mm. Well, That's the only problem, the only problem with his game. He's got one major problem with his game. <laughs> he's not English. Because he would be brilliant for England, I think. And like Ben says, you've got Tipperick, Warburton, Moriarty playing out of his skin as well. Yeah. It's a very difficult back row to get in, but... I think he'd walk into the England team at yeah, the minute. Yeah, but you can't so. have him, unfortunately. Um, in Wales, <laughs> uh, a lot of call for him to be in that Welsh squad, of course, will be announced uh, in a short time. What about his dad, David Young? What did he have to say about his sense hopes? Wales squad announced next week. What do you, what do you think? Is he, is he test quality yet? Well, you know, as a dad, yes, definitely. As a coach, yes, definitely. Obviously, Wales have had... Um, a number of um, settled back rowers there. I think they got a couple of injuries. You know, I'll be very surprised if he's not if he's not in the squad. But uh, you know, it's out of his hands. He, you know, he, he can't do much more, really, can he? Shall we? Um, shall we go through the pools again? Should yeah, we go with we? where we? Where do we leave? We left it on pool, pool two. two, so pool, yeah, three. pool three. So let's yeah. have a look at how uh, pool three stands then. And obviously Saracens in the driving mm. seat of this one with 18 points. And should Saracens win at Parker Scarlet this weekend, they will set a new tournament record of 14 consecutive wins, eclipsing Munster's run of 13 victories between 05 and 07. Mm. I thank you. Um, Austin, put yeah. the iPad down okay. like a child. Um, 
you actually think that Scarlett might give them a game, do you, on the weekend? I think Saracens have had quite a lot of injuries, I think, uh, but they are going for the record. Scarlett's it's never an easy place to play, regardless of what their team's looking like, what their form is. They're a very proud province, and I, I think it will be a tough game, but a lot tougher than maybe most of the, the public will think. But uh, you still expect Saracens to win. OK, uh, let's look at Pool 4, <laughs> shall we? And uh, this is how it looks at the moment, and um, it'll come up in a second. You can see Leinster in very good shape there. If they beat Montpellier in the weekend, uh, they're pretty much through. In fact, they'll be the first team to qualify for the knockout stages of the competition. Ruan, they've looked good this season, and the turnaround has been massive and very quick, actually, from them, hasn't it? Yeah, no, for sure. We played them a couple of weeks ago, and they're in good form at the right time. And, um, you know, we know their pedigree in, in Europe, and they know how to win these big games but they're facing a pretty decent Montpellier team that's got a massive pack and a couple of exciting backs. So I think that will be a good contest on Friday night. Oz and Ben keep saying it's because there's an English coach in there in Stuart Lancaster. But what do you think the reasons are for their incredible form this season? Yeah, I think they've got a core base of players that's been there, done that, that's won this trophy before. And then they've got guys like Ringrose that's come through the system and it's really performed well. So um, I think it's a good blend of, you know, of youth and experience. And, uh, you know, they... They've really it's in good form now. How many, how many teams will come out of that pool? But is that a, a one-team pool, do you think? Potentially two, but more likely one, I think. Yeah, one. I think, yeah. that, I think Leinster will finish second in the overall standings. Okay, and the overall, at the end of the day. Yeah. Right, okay. You've done a list there, haven't you? I've done a we'll, little we'll come, list. Okay, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, just after we have a quick look at pool five then. And as you were mentioning um, earlier on, oh, that's a huge game, isn't it? Claremont, Bordeaux, before we even look at... Claremont too? <laughs> but... How do you lot say it? Bordeaux. You Bordeaux. Say. Bordeaux. Bordeaux. There's nothing wrong with the way I say Bordeaux. <laughs> um, huge game, Ben, that one, isn't it? Because that has a knock-on effect, obviously, you know, with, with um, external stuff. Yeah, it is. And, um, you, know, the, you know what the French uh, are like. You can never quite tell. Despite the, the top 14 standings and the games there, how seriously they're taking the European competition. For some reason, some of them take it more seriously than others at different, in different years. So, you know, maybe Claremont might take the foot off the pedal. Who knows? Ruan, perfect scenario there is Claremont do a job in Bordeaux. Bordeaux lose interest. You beat Exeter <laughs> and then you beat Bordeaux in the last round and get yourself through. It's lined up perfectly. Yeah, I guess yeah. that will be perfect. But, uh, yeah, I think our boys just need to step up this weekend, put in a good performance. I think both these next two weekends are massive for us and we need probably maximum points to stand a chance of getting out of the group. So, um, yeah, massive, massive weekend for us. It's hard, Tom, isn't it, when you lose control of your destiny in a pool? You've got to hope that someone slips up somewhere for you to get through. You want to be up top and just driving it, don't you? Yeah, definitely. You want to be in the driving seat. And, uh, you know, in this cup, the Champions Cup, one loss and you are literally, you lose a little bit of control. So, yeah, it's about maintaining that. And it's the same for us in the, in our, in the, um, in the Challenge Cup. You know, we know we need to win this week or it's out of our control completely. Very quickly, Oz, who have you got just out of interest in your final Okay, well, if, if you go mathematically and go purely on form, Saracens finish first, uh, Leinster second, Clement uh, in fifth, uh, Munster in third, uh, Wasps in fourth. So I'd go for Munster, Wasps, Saracens and Leinster all having home quarterfinals. Home quarterfinals. Mm, that's one of the second places. Right no. Okay. No, 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 uh, Glasgow, fine, Glasgow go through and so do Connacht. Okay. Um, a quick word to Toulon Sale, which is our game this weekend as well, the first game that gets it all going. Uh, should be, it should be a good old game because Toulon got to do something, you know? Yeah, they do. And they had a dreadful performance last weekend in the top 14. Richard Cockrell arriving on Wednesday. Perfect timing for him because they actually took off their, both their starting props uh, after 20 minutes in that game because they were getting absolutely smashed in the scrum. So perhaps that'll be Sale's thought that they, they go in and try and duff them up up front, but um, it's going to be tough for them.
Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again next week. We'll see you then. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.